0: Hello and welcome to the Well Quite Podcast with me, ZP and me, Bobby. Born out of voice notes between pals, we'll be joined each week by changemakers sharing their journeys. God, cool. we've been getting a bit of feedback, haven't we, off, yeah. the, uh, off the last couple
1: of episodes? Yeah, we've had some lovely feedback, but we've also had, do you maybe want to give yourself an intro? <laughs> Which, in our defence, we only skipped because we thought it was going to be my mum, your mum. And maybe your sister.
0: <laughs> live mm,
1: maybe not. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't really think we needed to do an intro, but we're now at quite a few more than my mum, your mum, and probably some people in there that have no idea who we are, including, I found out today, my dentist. <laughs> who don't even know me as Bobby. They know me as Roberta. So that was a whole, I mean, that there's a whole other thing there. But, um, oh, hello. Yeah. To the dentist. Yeah, hello, dentist. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely dentist, he's lovely. Um, But yeah, I suppose we'll give a, based on that feedback, we should probably at least say who the hell we are, why we're doing this.
0: (laughs) God is making me cringe.
1: Yeah, ZP and I are not good at, we're good at making jokes at each other and (laughs) laughing at our own expense, but there is nothing more cringe-worthy than talking about ourselves in any professional manner no very
0: true go on then who are you
1: are you, roberta, or are you bobby no i'm not roberta i absolutely oh, loathe that now oh it's full-on like it full-on gives me the ick that name i absolutely hate it nobody so i am officially called roberta you look on linkedin i'm called roberta and uh
0: that's yeah. always um sorry i'm totally so interrupting your <laughs> but that's always perplexed me you really can't stand roberta Yeah, you do still use it in professional senses. I use it in a professional sense for two reasons.
1: One of which is because I, for a while, on and off over the years, I've been a lecturer and it used to drive me nuts that I would walk in. I am small, I look quite young, and I would walk into universities and I would go and speak to IT and they'd just say to me, we don't deal with student problems. (laughs) So it made me sound older and more professional. And then that, the other reason that I've had it is because for, for years and years, I would turn up to like interviews and people would just see Bobby and they, and they couldn't hide the fact that they'd assumed it was a guy, which in some respects is probably quite helpful to try and get yourself into an interview situation. know. Yeah. <laughs> However, it was quite disgusting when they thought, Oh, I thought you were going to be a guy. <laughs> I just literally say it at my face. So yeah. So over the years I've adopted my, alter ego, roberta who is my grown-up <laughs> professional name also i don't really like using social media so it was always quite fun that people couldn't find me Didn't so find there was you. that there was that as well yeah. um but yes no my real name is bobby always known as bobby i mean there's probably some other nicknames in there along the way we'll talk about your nicknames in a minute actually oh really? <laughs> yeah we're going to talk about your nicknames in a minute but yes known as bobby um to anyone that actually knows me and can have a a friendly conversation. Uh, I'm a design director, design leader, depends, you know, lots of different names. Uh, And I met ZP working at an agency where we were quite literally in each other's pockets working on all the same accounts for the best part of two years. And then I abandoned her, which was (laughs) one of the one of the worst decisions. It was the best decision. It was the right thing to do at the time, but I have found it really tough ever since. So yeah, so my background is products. Um, I've worked for startups, big corporates, agencies, all all the little things in between. And I like to make things, that's it really. So what yeah. about you
0: and you have a million names? My million names? Yeah, well Zara is my actual name, but obviously you call me ZP. Um, alongside a bunch of others. CP came from, so when Bobby and I were working together, you could not make it up, but there was another Zara on the team. I've never come across another Zara, let alone in a professional environment. Um, and so, yeah, we had to quite quickly adopt another name because it was becoming really confusing. Well, it became really confusing because I accidentally told the client <laughs> that you were leaving
1: when you weren't. So that's actually where ZP came from. Oh, no, not that Zara. Sorry. The other oh, one.
0: no, not that one. I mean, still a massive loss, but it was very funny. <laughs> so, yeah, ZP, ZP was born. Um, oh, I've got loads of ridiculous nicknames, which I find really quite baffling because Zara's not a long name. It's not a hard name. It's quite unique. But, it, like, right from school age, people decided they needed to give me some kind of nickname, like I was missing out. So my school pals, they call me Raz or Razum. And that has just evolved into countless ridiculous nicknames. Um, are we? Are we going to go
1: through them? <laughs> you don't have to go through. I mean, they'll they'll all hear them as and when the different people from your life come on to calls. <laughs>
0: exactly. I mean, it is true. But yeah, no, Zars, um, Zars is probably quite quite a common one. <laughs> there we go. Brilliant. There we go. But yeah, no, as you say, so I'm a delivery director or delivery principal, however you want to frame it, working for um digital agency. So my background's within the agency and consultancy space largely. They have done some time Working in house as well. I've been in this field for the last sort of ten, twelve years or so, working with very well-known household brands that we all know and love, supporting them um, with their website builds, the mobile apps, e-commerce journeys, so that you and I can go and buy things online or more broadly with their digital transformation. So focusing on their ways of working, making them more efficient, focusing on the human interaction and thinking about what actually is value to them as a business and to their customers. But also more broadly than that, I'm a mentor in the women in tech space. It's something that I'm hugely passionate about, as I know you are too, Bobby. The podcast has just been an opportunity for us to have a more focused way of hanging out. Um... We chat literally pretty much every day via voice notes and ridiculous pictures or WhatsApps or whatever about funny things that might have happened, venting when you did. And um, yeah, this just gave us a bit of an outlet to channel that in hopefully a positive way, giving people a voice and, and a platform to share their successes and their challenges, as well as to share our ridiculous jokes that we find quite funny. We digress. Let's dive into a couple of funny voice notes of the week. The woolly hat. Should
1: I tell you about my woolly hat story? Yeah, I'm desperate to know about this woolly hat story. So I, I bought myself, a couple of winters ago, I bought myself this beautiful, very simple purple. It's like lilac, lilac hat. And it's really soft. I don't like wearing woolly hats very often. I find them really itchy and irritating. And, but this one's really cozy. It's like a Sunday hat. It's this lovely color that goes with everything that I wear, so it's the one hat that's really stuck with me and I wear it regularly during the winter. Effie decided probably last winter that she had her eyes on it and then as soon as it's come back out of the cupboard, she's like, oh, oh mummy, have I told you how much I love your hat? <laughs> I mean, at least it approves of something you wear. <laughs> well, this is this is true. This is true. Although this, I was wearing the purple hat the day that she told me, are you going out in that? Yeah. <laughs> So she keeps going on about this purple hat. She's like, you know, I really like your purple hat, Mummy. It would look really good on me. Mummy, it would look really good on me. <laughs> Again, I'm just going to remind you. You just old remind old me how
0: Effie, how old Effie is.
1: She's six. <laughs> <laughs> she's calculated. <laughs> I
0: really, really love your hat. I really,
1: really love your hat. And um, I said, I said to her at the weekend. I was just, I had it out with her. I was like, you're not having the hat. She's like, but why? And I was like, you're not having the hat. It's my hat. She's like, well, can I borrow it? <laughs> I was like. No, you can't borrow it. And she got really angry at me. I was just like, why can't I borrow it? Can't I just wear it on the days that you don't wear it? And I'm like, no, because you're going to lose the hat. And I love it. Okay. It got in, it got a bit heated at the weekend because she doesn't like to hear the word no. So I was like, no, you can't have the hat. No, you can't borrow it. Let it go. I went out with a friend on Saturday. I left her at her granny and granddad's and I went and met one of my one of my best pals for lunch. And whilst I was out with her, I found a really nice, very similar-looking hat in rainbow. Very soft, great. Pretty much, pretty much, exactly the same. And I was like, I know, I'll buy the hat. I'll buy the hat for Effie. And it, will, it will distract her. It will keep her away from my hat. Got it home. And she was like, Oh, thank you, mummy. Thank you, mummy. I love it. It's nicer than yours. <laughs> So I've come away from this entire
0: situation, not knowing if I've won or not. I was going to say, are you now eyeing up the rainbow hat? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) No idea.
1: (laughs) I feel, again, a bit similar to when she told me before I went out, are you going out like that? I just feel slightly traumatised and constantly trolled by my six-year-old. Our guest today is Isabel. Um, Isabel's an ex-colleague of Zara and I, or should I say ZP, um, we both knew her as a really talented UX designer. However, post-COVID, she upped and moved to Athens, which was a huge, huge um, decision, life-changing, um, with her partner and has since done a big career pivot recently, which we'd really love to dig into a little bit more. So yeah, I'm like, absolutely going to hand over to her to, to do, do it justice because I won't do, but um, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah. Just like you said, it's been a journey, to say the least. The last, well, certainly the last two years have been in Athens, but even before that, of kind of the career in UX, and then now this change that's come about, like you say, about two months ago, I decided that my time in UX and as a designer was done finally after about ten years. So I've been doing it since I had like a internship just after I left college. So since I was 17, I'd worked in design. So from kind of doing Facebook banners and that kind of thing all the way through to I kind of ended as a lead consultant for an agency here in Athens. Um, And then I kind of found my way through to where I am today, which is I've made a full transition into being a full-time content creator and kind of wellness influencer. Mentor is the direction I'm going in. I don't really like the word coach because I feel like there's a lot a lot of Instagram coaches, <laughs> so I'm kind of just finding my feet at the moment. It's obviously a big, a very big change to make when you kind of build your identity around being a designer, and that's you know the field you're in. That's those are the books you read, those are the kind of conversations you're having, and then to make a complete switch and a transition is a very big deal. Like we had that conversation, Bobby, of whether it was the right thing to do, is it the right time? Do I need to wait a little bit more? And in the end, it. it all just works out really well. And I think that's when you know it's right. It was like I moved to Athens. All kind of fell into place. And I think that's when you know you are on the right kind of path.
1: You're an influencer really in the sort of well-being and body positive space. How would you describe that space that you went into and where did that interest come from? The interest came from, well, I'd grown up with my mum, my parents, and my mum had always been very
2: much into wellness. She's an aromatherapist, so she was always very kind of focused in the natural approach or holistic approach to kind of well-being and being healthy and that kind of thing. She has been a vegan for a very long time. Um, she's always been very kind of health conscious. And I suppose that had kind of been imprinted on me to an extent. And then when I was a teenager, I went let's call it off the rails a little bit as a young adult and I got into you know partying lots I was traveling all the time I was drinking a lot and then eventually I landed myself in a spot where I was like okay I really need to sort myself out now where I then realized that I had to kind of change things and that was where it all kicked off from there really and I started looking into you know how you can kind of heal yourself in a way things like you know your daily routine journaling and um, all the different kind of world practices there are also my diet, I cleaned that up. All the kind of things that you people tend to do when they're looking to kind of improve their health and well-being. And that was again when I started looking into what I really wanted to do. And at the time, I tied it in with the design work, and I kind of went down the psychology route with my masters. And that was, I guess, in a bit of a self-exploration avenue as well. I was kind of looking into not only what I was going through, but then also that became kind of a passion to be able to as i got over that and was able to improve my own habits and my ways of thinking and my mindset then it, i kind of realized that okay if i can do it then i can probably help others to do that as well and that was when i started to kind of put this sort of content out i think it was in covid actually when i had lots of time <laughs> and i started to film everything i was doing my morning routine and it started to build up from there and then I, obviously i realized that this was actually useful for people and it kind of went on there. it stopped a little bit when we went through the move of obviously coming to a new country and so on it's a big deal so i didn't have so much time around then but then more recently that was as i kind of built it up the kind of things that i then knew so i improved on my knowledge because obviously for a long time it had been very focused around the design space and as i transitioned over i kind of used that in in the research and the work i was doing at the time i kind of went down the behavioral science route um you know, all the, all the kind of things to do with that around behavior and ways that we're thinking and what triggers us to do things and so on. And that's kind of how I basically landed where I am today, which is putting out content around the kind of thing that at one point I struggled with, because I feel those are really the best things that I could speak on because that that's what I have the most experience in aside from any kind of qualification or certification I have. Um, so sometimes it is a bit random. You know, they say you're meant to stick to a niche and talk about three topics. And I, I tend to talk about whatever comes into my head on the day, which is probably not very useful sometimes. But that, to me, is just that gets the most authentic message, at least, and it, it helps people to get to know me and to feel more at ease with, you know, speaking to me if they need to or reaching out to me or at least feeling like someone understands them and maybe gets what they're going through. Because I think that's at a point when I was maybe at my lowest, I needed someone that I could have relied on or just felt that was there in like a non judgmental way that I could either listen to or take some advice from or just have listened to me kind of thing. So that's the sort of, I guess, space that I try to not try, I sit in as, as an influencer. Let's say I hate that word, I'm an anti influencer.
0: but (laughs) that's where i'm at at the moment something that you've touched upon a couple of times is you've not just changed your career from design into this influencer space not using the influence word but you've also changed countries as well right that's like a lot of change it's a big transition (laughs) what was i guess the motivation behind the 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 move as well as the career change
2: Yeah, good question. Because I remember Bobby Bobby and I had this exact chat before, I think before I made the decision to move to Athens and Bobby did say, it's a lot of things to do at once (laughs) as well. And Bobby was right. It was a lot of things to do at once because we moved country and then I changed jobs as well at the same time. That was obviously prior to having this big transition. That was about two years ago. But really it was, I guess COVID fed it up. So COVID allowed it to happen quicker. My partner and I would always wanted to move abroad. I'm half Greek, so my mum is Greek. So there was that connection to obviously being Greek. So I have family here. And I guess there was a mix of reasons. For me, it was very much... I kind of wanted to reconnect to a place that I always felt more at home. We you know, we traveled to Greece every year, if not multiple times a year, and it always felt very kind of at peace, I guess, when I, I was here. But the funny thing is that was obviously at the places we would holiday. It wasn't in Athens. I'd actually not spent that much time in Athens. So semi-naively, we moved to Athens thinking it would be very much like this feeling of being on holiday in Greece and being very relaxed and peaceful and lots of nature around. And obviously, Athens is one of the busiest, craziest cities in Europe, I think. So it was definitely a bit of a culture shock, to say the least, even though I'm obviously familiar with Greek culture, I'm generally familiar with the language and so on. But it was, um, it was a lot of things at once, but I managed it. It, it was just, a, I would say I had a tough time, actually, the first six months because there were just so many new things to deal with. And while I did obviously do um, was connected to Greek culture at the time and so on, to live here is obviously hugely different to go on holiday here. So there were so many things to get used to, even just day to day, just to go to the shops or to go to the bank or to get on public transport. I I remember really thinking at the time of how just mentally drained I felt because I was constantly having to think when I did things, whereas in England, you could kind of do as an autopilot. You don't need to think about what you're saying. There's no kind of like a great amount of mental load when you go about your day to day. Whereas I really felt that everything I was doing carried almost like twice, if not three times as more effort to it. So that was just my experience amongst many kind of other things that we went through, such as at that, the time that we moved, it was one of the hottest summers they'd had on record and there were fires. And I think it was about 45 degrees when we moved around that time. So that was another thing to get used to. You know, you kind of think of Greece or oh, something all the time, It'd be amazing. But actually there's the extreme end of that, which I, at that point I was just wishing to be under some rain and gray skies of, of England at that, at that time. It's definitely, a, that's one of the things I tried to cover on, on my Instagram account is how moving abroad or away or quitting the job or, or whatever it is, doesn't necessarily solve anything that you're dealing with internally. You can kind of run away and chase the next best thing.
0: As you're talking, it, I, it's a really striking accord for me. I actually moved in, to Madrid and Spain- Yeah, really? 12 plus years ago, um, and I was there for just over a year. But for me, it was a huge, it wasn't just the cultural shock, it was the language, but also I had a lot going on in my personal life at that time as well. And what you're saying is just so true. It's, you're in a different place. The mental load is great, but it also doesn't mean that anything else has changed within you. And I think having to deal with that and and sit with that is quite a daunting, but powerful, powerful thing. You talked a little bit there about how
1: it shaped some of your content. So like, you know, and completely understandable, very authentic. Like how else do you think it sort of influenced the sort of success of your content or, you know, sometimes where it maybe didn't resonate so well? Um,
2: I mean, lots of, I think that's kind of a huge topic at the moment as kind of with the rise of social media, with the rise of this digital nomad type lifestyle that has come in about post-COVID. Um, I mean, there's there's so many people in that situation here in Athens, for example, because it's obviously a great destination. The weather's good. It's very cheap, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think there is this rise in popularity of moving somewhere, maybe that you have little to no connection with, um, just to kind of chase this idea of a better life, maybe a little bit what you described, Zara, with Madrid. and. I've tried to be to err on kind of the realistic side of that, but it isn't always as it seems. Like we just said, you can't kind of run away from your problems. I think to some extent that's what we did. Um, we just had, like my partner's mum recently passed away. We'd had a lot of just difficulties and challenges that come with, you know, the whole COVID situation and finances, all that kind of thing. You were kind of familiar with it, Bobby. And I've tried to be very real about that. And a lot of people, I've also had a lot of kind of pushback on that, that they don't really like to be told to not stay put, but just to sit with yourself and be kind of present and not constantly distracting yourself. Because that's ultimately what we're doing all the time. We're always on our phone, on social media, looking at what other people are doing, You know, the next destination, the next thing, the next whatever it is. So that's the kind of underlying message that I, or one of them that I try and put out is really to just be present and learn to sit still with yourself because I'd gone through years actually of constantly traveling I, and it was like I just told myself it was because I was young and having fun or whatever. and whatever and it was very much so but at the same time it was also because I just a lot of the time couldn't bear to just be present with myself because there were things I had going on that made me weren't comfortable.
0: For sure. And I guess that's a really interesting tension to navigate being present and being a content creator as well. So how how do you navigate that? What does that look like? <laughs> it's a tough one. And as I've said, it's,
2: this has just been in roughly the last two months that I've started doing it full time. So it's very different to how I would do it before. Before I was obviously working pretty much nine to five. And I would be squeezing it in at the end of the day or before work or at lunch or whatever. And I was kind of much more structured with it in a way. Now that I'm feeling out how my day-to-day works and what my routine looks like now that I don't, I can literally do whatever I want. Um, it's a little bit, I think because I haven't done that for 10 years or even before that. Just, you know, you go to school, you go to university, you start work. And your day has always been planned out actually since you were four years old. So, it really is like the first time to manage your own time. And with that comes the challenge of now getting that balance between needing to create content and needing to film things and to capture stuff versus just enjoying the moment of being present in it. And that was what I just kind of had. Recently, I was away for three weeks, so I came to London. I was ill in that time, but then I we then after went to Mallorca and to onto a Greek island. And really, for the first time, I forced myself to just stay off my phone and not feel pressured to create content and not try and capture everything for Instagram and instead take pictures that I want to take or you know things with family and stuff that isn't going to do well on Instagram and things like that which is a definitely a hard balance to strike that I'm now just feeling my way through. Like I said, it's, it's not easy and it's almost, you know, you go from thinking you're escaping the nine to five to realizing you're then tied into the algorithm and what works and needing to film everything and create and create and create. And it kind of takes again, as I felt designed it at times for me, I didn't feel always like I was able to be as creative as I want to be or be as fluid in that kind of creative process. Now it also then, with the content creation, it could kind of take some of the joy out of things that you're filming and that you're doing because then you're doing it because you have to rather than you want to. And I think it's just that fine balance to get between doing something because you have to and then also just... Giving yourself time to be present in that moment, whatever it is, whether it's you know going out for a walk to the forest with the dog, or spending some time journaling, or you know it could be anything. Just cooking, like I like, I'm a I love to cook, for example, and that was one thing that I'd really not been allowing myself time to do. I was just rushing through stuff, filming a recipe, whatever it was. Um, so that's just one example where I've had to just to take a step back, really, and. Yeah, give myself some space.
1: Your content has evolved from the well-being space and then into the Athens space as well and at the heart of that has always been this authenticity um, because it's at the heart of your life. How conscious and curated is that? I'm
2: generally quite an organised person. I do have like a content plan let's say but very very rarely do I ever stick to it. A lot of the time it is something that either happens to me throughout the day or it's been something that's been on my mind um, or it might be something I see and it kind of triggers I put myself on a band starting tomorrow. <laughs> um, but it's just silly stuff like that. Like obviously having a bubble tea every day is probably not what a wellness or healthy lifestyle influencer should be out there. <laughs> but at the end of the day that's just something I do and I'm not going to height that for the sake of trying to come across as super healthy and not having carbs and all this and you know that kind of stuff so it's just getting a balance i think as the platform grows it's very clear how um impressionable young people are on instagram it becomes a bit of a responsibility i think there are some aspects that you do have to be careful with as to how i word things and what i say because people really do just copy things that they they see you doing online, especially, I think, in for young women particularly. I have tons and tons of messages from young girls about what I'm eating, what I'm doing, how I did this, you know, problems with their boyfriend, all kinds of things that I know are influenced by the things that they're seeing on social media constantly. So I do... While I try and be authentic, at the same time, I am mindful about how it can be perceived. And other than that, just encourage the audience really to remember that it is just Instagram and to always have their own perspective and to always, you know, if it's something health related to check with a professional and, and all that kind of thing. So it's, it's definitely, as with everything, getting a balance.
0: Sorry, I was just going to say, as you say, that that's a massive responsibility to carry particularly when you are influencing and inspiring um those who are quite impressionable but also i guess having to have that always on mentality when you're thinking about that content and what that looks like how do you or do or can you sort of decompress or you know delineate between that or are you literally carrying that responsibility and that sort of thought process 24 7
2: yeah, it's a a good one because I was, I was actually thinking about this to myself yesterday of really kind of what I said earlier about, you know, you're thinking you've freed yourself from the desk job, but then it becomes almost a 24-hour job instead. And I think that's something that I'm just feeling my way through at the moment. Like on Sundays, for example, generally I try and stick to, I will come off Instagram and not go on it at all. There's there's things I do, like I have my notifications off all the time, so I'm not bombarded by that kind of thing. Um, I put my phone away, generally, I'm not really good at this, but my general rule is around nine or ten every day, the phone goes away, so at least an hour before I'm going to bed. In the morning, I don't, I'm pretty good with that one, actually, I don't go on it for at least an hour after I get up. Um, And again, it's just that fact of trying to be present, so that's something I I always practice throughout the day. Um, I'm studying with a somatic-based school at the moment, which is to do with um, just this form of therapy that's around um, your body and your nervous system. And there's lots of things I've learned from that that help you to be present. There's things like, you know, they're not that, it's not rocket science a lot of the time. It's things like grounding, breath work, um, noticing colors around you, just taking a moment really to, look at the space you're in and to be aware of where you are and to kind of feel your body because so many of us myself included go throughout our days completely in our heads and thinking about stuff all the time and very much disconnected to our body which is actually where (laughs) where the serious stuff is happening kind of thing and that's where why so many of us find ourselves in this fight or flight state constantly because we're always thinking about you know the next thing, what I've done, what I'm going to do, what's going to happen, all that kind of thing. So it's I'm I I'm no um a no great example I would say, and not having it on my on my mind all the time. But it's just it's something that I'm I'm learning to do, and will just hopefully <laughs> hopefully improve.
1: I think I think something like that is a constant practice anyway. Like I don't think anyone. I think it would be unfair to think anyone's got that completely down. Like I think it life is fluid, right? It's definitely
2: incorporating things into my day that work for me because so I think there's a tendency to look online at the wellness content and it's like a 20-step morning routine where you have to journal three things about this and three things about that and do a half an hour meditation. There's like so many things you can do that start to become almost like a checklist that you're trying to get through these practices rather than doing them because you actually enjoy them or they kind of fit with your daily routine. So I tend to flex around, you know, I might go through some weeks of journaling and then I won't for a long time. I journaled a little bit while I was on holiday, have not for the last few days, for example. And that's just what works best for me rather than rigidly trying to stick to things and force myself through things just for the sake of doing them. So I think learning to have kind of a flexibility around what practices are going to work for you, especially as women as well, we go through different phases throughout the month. Some weeks you have more energy, some you have less. Sometimes you want to eat loads and sometimes you don't want to eat loads and and that kind of thing. So I think learning to be in tune with myself and just really listen, it's not that hard (laughs) when you break it down, it's just to listen to my body and what it needs rather than push myself through things just because. It's been definitely uh, a game changer for me.
1: Yeah, I, def- I find the cycle-based um, awareness and how that affects your nervous system and your habits and your behaviours and, like, completely fascinating. And I I think it's only something that I've become sadly aware of in my late 30s, which is horrendous. And I think, you know, anything to do with promoting that and discussing it and, you know, young people becoming more aware of the impact of their cycles is really, really important. Like, when did you become, I guess, aware of that that kind of space and, and what has sort of influenced your understanding in it?
2: I think, again, it was probably around the COVID time when I started to dive into the wellness space a little bit deeper. Before that, I was always aware of it. Like I said, my mum always had a very holistic approach to things, um, so I did take that on board. But I guess there's nowhere really that you can learn about you're taught at school like what happens, but you're not taught what you need to do or what might be more beneficial for you to do during the month or you know week one or week or whatever phase it is. Like these are fundamental things that affect women every single day, that affect the way we can work, affect our relationships, affect our exercise abilities. You know everything, our moods. And it's crazy really to think that it's kind of only now this sort of content is becoming more available. And I think that's the great thing about Instagram. because Obviously, the, the content is there and it's free and you can start to pick up things. And yeah, definitely still not where I would want to be in terms of how I change the way I work and do things throughout my cycle. But I think, again, it's because up till now, I've always been in that nine to five. My week is the same every week kind of mindset. Whereas now I'm obviously able to change that and be much more flexible around the kind of things I do. So I'm, that's something I'm really looking forward to actually.
0: Um, Isabel, um, obviously the last couple of months you've transitioned into this space as a content creator full time, um, but it's something you've been working on and has seen growth in over the last couple of years. Um, You've got over 45,000 followers on Instagram. Like that's not a small amount of people. <laughs> um that that's that's huge and that's amazing. I guess I'm really curious to understand a bit more around how have you created that following because I think at the moment I don't think you're sort of really giving yourself enough credit for I guess the effort and and what's gone into it. You sort of talked about your algorithm we you talked about this. These are all things that are completely go well above my head and they're things that Bobby and I are slowly starting to understand <clears throat> excuse me but yeah I guess how have you got to this place of you know having literally tens of thousands of people follow you and I guess a build on that is what what what's next for you do you have goals in that space around your Instagram and your following for what you are hoping to achieve moving forward now you are dedicating your full time to it?
2: Yeah. So it's been a long journey. Like I say, I kind of started with the wellness content around the COVID period. So about three years ago and I had started to build up the account and then unfortunately that was when my partner's mother passed away. So then I came off Instagram completely stopped with that kind of thing because I just didn't feel called to obviously. Um, And then it was something that was just on the back burner as we moved to Athens. I was just kind of showing what I was doing, nothing really too serious. And then it was around a year ago. I actually, as uh, this was a time I was working in Africa and I was on a trip in Africa and I had an accident, quite a serious accident. So I was actually attacked outside where I was staying. Um, And I had my front teeth and my jaw broken. This might be a bit intense, (laughs) intense topic. So I had that situation to deal with. And in dealing with that, I really had to look after myself again. So I was almost brought back into this place of like I really needed to be there for myself and to really look after myself and make sure I kept myself kind of calm and regulated my nervous system. and was around people that were there for me and good for me and all that kind of stuff. So in doing so, that really kind of brought back to home very much like just how powerful these practices are and just how you really can look after yourself and you can, again, like I said at the start, you can heal yourself and that's really what happened and that was when I realized that I do want to take this more seriously again. I do want to keep um, just sharing my journey while at the same time putting out positive things that people hopefully quite simply can incorporate into their lives. Like Again, like I said, if I can do it, then most certainly other young women, other young people can do it as well. So that was kind of another kind of main event, let's say. And then it's been since then that I've slowly built it up. Um, I'm also investing in yourself as well. So I actually spent some time with like an Instagram business coach and that they helped me to figure out exactly the path I kind of wanted to take and how to do all these things because it's not, it's a full-time job. It's a lot of effort (laughs) and there's lots of things that are, you don't just know you kind of have to dive a bit deeper into this so I did spend or invested in myself let's say on that front and then it's really been since kind of summertime it really took off I'd actually I think there was one particular post it was with my mum and it it was around self-love and it was kind of quite a profound thing around viewing yourself you know think of the things that you would do for someone you love the most like how would you get them if you switched bodies with them i think it was and it was like what would you get them to eat what would you do with you know your daily routine how would you talk to them and all that kind of thing and then it switched it around and saying now do that for yourself and i think it was that post that really kicked off or went viral and then it was really since there and it's been kind of a steady steady growth upwards since around june july time so it's happened very quickly
0: you share a lot i guess in terms of your lived experiences your day-to-day do you have any sort of general advice that you like to pay forward to people when you're talking to them when they're sort of coming sharing their challenges with you in a time of need
2: there's always one thing i i go back to and it's actually a i like to because it's got a greek a greek theme in it and there's there's the oracle in delphi i don't know if you've heard of it it's basically like a place that ancient Greeks supposedly went and they would go into this place. And actually it turns out, I was reading about it the other day. It's like, there were fumes inside from the rocks and it um, induced hallucinations. And they thought that they were going in there to get answers from this priestess. It really, she was just hallucinating from these like gases that were coming out of the rocks. But inscribed on above the entrance to this like supposed oracle is there's some words in Greek. It's often self-tour, I think it, it says, and it's basically the basically saying that the answers you're looking for are within you. So, and it, I think it means know thyself or something, and it's basically suggesting that these people would go looking elsewhere for answers, you know, trying to find out about themselves somewhere else when really all along what they needed to do was look within. And I think that's what just a nice illustration I always keep in the back of my mind, and I always try to kind of the another underlying theme I try to put out in my content is that really a lot of what we're looking for is actually within us all along and sometimes it does just take a conversation with a friend or the right, right question to be asked or an experience to enable us to see that kind of part of ourselves or to look at you know at it in the right way
0: final question um is um, a bit of a rogue question, completely off-tangent, but it's something that Bobby and I ask everyone um, is, what song best describes your vibe? Bobby and I are both into music, opposite ends of the spectrum. She's very cool, I'm questionable. Um, what, what song best describes your vibe? So I'm very into
2: music and I could say a lot of things, but I think I'm gonna, there's a song, called Never the Same by Ludes and it's just the song that I put on on a Saturday morning when I'm going out for a walk, going to get a coffee, very good, good energy and I think the Never the Same thing is just reflective of that I am always changing and always will be and I think we all are and I just, I like that.
1: I'm sure it's on the cool end of the... (laughs) You mean Harry Styles isn't cool, what? (laughs) Harry Styles is not cool, (laughs) sorry Harry. I have to agree with that one.
0: (laughs) I'm fighting a losing battle here.
1: (laughs) Um, Isabel, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you uh, be one of our very early guests on the show. Um, Any excuse to hang out with you as always. Thank you, my love. Thank you both. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram or uh, drop us a message. Until next time. Bye. Bye. That was really good,
0: apart from the fact you forgot to mention World Pipe Podcast anywhere. <laughs>